0: This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 151 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the Cyberwire. The COVID 19 global pandemic has set us all back on our heels as we make adjustments to our day to day lives and prepare for what is yet to come. The situation is evolving quickly, and when it comes to security, there are a number of concerns, starting with the massive shift for many to working from home. Add to that the feeling of unease and fatigue that comes with so much uncertainty, along with threat actors who are all too willing to take advantage of the situation. Alan Liska is an intelligence analyst at Recorded Future, and he returns to our show with some practical advice for staying safe and protecting your organization. Stay with us.
0: This is a unique situation. Um, you know, we've been through massive technology mobilizations before. For example, the you know uh, year 2000, uh, when that flip happened, there was sort of an all hands on deck approach to addressing the problem. But this is a completely different problem because instead of bringing everybody together, we're we're basically separating everybody often for the first time, which is creating a lot of uh, sort of unprecedented
1: problems. And, And how do you see those playing out? What are some of the things that are top of mind for you? Well, we're seeing a couple
0: things. Um, you know,
1: obviously,
0: we know that attackers have ramped up their use of coronavirus or COVID-19 themed lures in their email, and uh, they've been highly successful with that. Um, I read a statistics from Domain Tools that one campaign in Italy they were tracking got a 10 percent click through rate, which is unheard of for any sort of fishing lore. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's because people are, they don't know what's going on. They don't have enough information. They're glued to their TV sets and they're, they're fascinated by this. Well, now we take the same thing with a a, a newly minted remote workplace, and we're seeing the same kind of activity ramp up. So we're really dividing this into two kinds of threats, technical exploitation and uh, organizational exploitation. And and the reason we're doing that is that we're seeing both kinds of attacks on the rise. So when I talk about technical exploitation, Um, A lot of the common telework applications such as Zoom, Citrix, Slack, Skype uh, have long been targeted by threat actors looking for vulnerabilities or, you know, taking advantage of existing vulnerabilities to exploit. But when those applications primarily resided behind your corporate firewall, they weren't as big of a threat, Mm. Now we've moved everybody outside of the corporate firewall, um, you know, and often on their own home computers. So if you're an organization that doesn't that didn't have a telework policy before, um, you may have sent employees home and said, "Okay, connect in with your laptop or your home computer instead of using the corporate network." So not yeah, just yeah. outside of the corporate firewall, but you know, outside of corporate endpoint control, etc. So we're definitely seeing a rise in those kind of attacks. And we have we've been tracking that over the last 90 days and it's definitely risen. But then also phones are being targeted as well. We know that there, uh, of of course, when we talk about COVID-19, there was the COVID locked ransomware, which purported to be a a coronavirus map um, application for Android. And turned out it was ransomware. Um, but we also know that uh, there's more and more Android Android malware that looks to steal things like Google Authenticator codes. and And many organizations rely on Google Authenticator for two-factor authentication. So we wind up seeing a growth in that kind of activity. And then we also see direct attacks against VPNs. So we've seen very specifically a rise in DDoS attacks against VPN providers. So we've noticed that. And then uh, the g- uh, government uh, cybersecurity and infrastructure agency, CISA, also released a brief on, uh, on the, ri- the rise in these attacks. Um, we know that uh, ransomware actors such as Revel um, have been looking to attack Pulse VPN connections Um, in order to gain access. So that technical access of the home user, because of this extended telework um, that's going on, means that these actors could have now direct access into corporate networks that they may not have been able to get into before.
1: In terms of of the actual infrastructure itself, thinking about uh, our connectivity at home, we've got all of these people who are suddenly making use of their home Internet connections during the day, many of them using uh, relatively high bandwidth uh, applications, everything from conferencing things, those sorts of things. I imagine that we're seeing a, a bump up in things like Netflix and YouTube. Has there, has there been anything that you all have been tracking or any indication that um, the, the basic infrastructure of the Internet itself is, is under strain, or does it seem like we're able to handle the, the shift in traffic?
0: Yeah, interestingly, um, for the most part, I haven't seen anybody complain about internet infrastructure. In fact, many internet providers have, um, you know, during this period, have actually lifted their bandwidth cap that they may have. So I know Spectrum has, Comcast has, a- and a few other providers around the country have actually list- lifted bandwidth caps. So I think we're okay. It's one of the nice things about having gone to a largely fiber infrastructure. Um, I think think we're probably okay in terms of bandwidth for most locations. What will be interesting is how rural providers adapt, especially ones that are relying heavily on, uh, uh, you know, wireless rural technologies because that doesn't have the same uh, capacity that, that say, fiber infrastructure does.
1: Right, right. I think also about uh, if we have to shift to having, uh, you know, kids Learning from home, I, I know we've got well, colleges that are that are already well underway with that. Um, you know how do you deal with that, that digital divide of uh, some kids having access to that and maybe not everyone having it. it i I can't help thinking about you know the old rural electrification program. you know do we right. need something like that for for uh, internet connections?
0: So I know in my school district in uh, northern Virginia. Um, they're making mobile hotspots available um, free mm-hmm. of charge to uh, families that don't have internet connections at home. Now, obviously, a mobile hotspot isn't going to provide the same level of connectivity as fiber, um, but it still gives you know, students who need it access. And and, and I realize that, you know, in Northern Virginia, we have the money to be able to do that. And a lot of uh, poor school districts won't be able to do that, which unfortunately will continue to highlight that digital divide between uh, between different parts of the country.
1: So if I am that person at my organization who is in charge of keeping things secure and suddenly I'm faced with. Uh, a, a huge percentage of my workforce working from home, they are outside of my firewall. they have they're outside the moat. you know, I can no longer pull up the drawbridge. Um, what how, how do I prioritize handling that shift? What sort of things should I be working on?
0: well and, and, and that leads directly to the sort of the second point of this is that that organizational chaos, is ripe for abuse by threat actors. So, as you say, you know you may be in charge of of implementing, okay, how do I do a remote workforce? And normally, this is something that you'd have months or even a year to plan out and go on uh, you know, and and get implemented. You've had to do this in a week. There's going to be mistakes, there're going to be holes. There's going to be problems that people run through. Um, and, and that is going to create other uh, other problems. You know, you'll obviously you'll have support problems because you'll have an overwhelmed support staff that is suddenly feel, fielding, you know, 10, 20 times more calls than they normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, you will also have uh, employees that have trouble getting things set up. And so they may try to do workarounds, which means you could expose sensitive data. So, you know, let's say that, you know, my boss needs me to get them a document and I can't get the VPN working to upload it to the shared file server. So I say, fine, I'm going to send this over to you on Google Drive using my Gmail account. Right. Um, and I, you know, the same password I used for Gmail, I also used for Marriott and that was exposed in a breach. And now you know, with password reuse, somebody has access to my Gmail account and can get those sensitive documents. Or I put it in the wrong place, or I use the wrong permissions, so I allow anybody to access it, etc. So there's all kinds of potential problems there. Um, And then, as with the COVID-19 example, because of all the confusion and uncertainty, um, employees may actually be more likely to Click on a phishing email, especially one that purports to be from your IT team, because right now you're probably expecting a lot of communication from your IT team. And so, you know, you get a an email that says VPN instructions. Open this Word document. So you open it, and um, you open it, and it turns out you've installed something malicious in your, uh, you know, on your desktop that now connects in. Hmm. So those are sort of all kinds of, you know, some of the problems that will certainly um, pop up. And and the best thing that you can do to sort of answer your original question is have a very well-documented plan that's communicated as early as possible, and then have backup plans if those don't work. So in other words, send out to your newly minted workforce, here are the steps you need to do to get connected. You know, only follow advice that comes from this specific email address. Don't you know ignore anything that is you know company name, dash support at gmail dot com or anything like that. So warn people that these may be coming. And then have a backup plan. Also listed in that, if for some reason you know you can't get this to work and you can't get this support and it's a high priority item, these are sort of the acceptable backup options and these are the precautions that you need to take. So you do need to be adaptable you know, in security and IT right now understand the real world problems that people are having and give them paths to be able to continue to do their job securely because everybody wants to continue to work. Um, You know, I I don't see very many people taking this as an opportunity to use it as extra vacation time or whatever. And and so you want to give them the tools they need to do their job and feel confident that they're doing it in a secure way.
1: You know, I think for a lot of organizations, um, this has been a bit of a wake up call in terms of their planning um, for adversity. Um, For example, uh, I know at our organization, when we were um, getting together, you know, the leadership team and talking about, um, you know, possible scenarios, one of the things we realized was that Um, we were really designed around one person getting sick and having someone to be able to fill in for them. And we really hadn't thought through how deep is the bench. What happens if half your team isn't available? Maybe they're sick. Maybe they're taking care of someone who is sick. We were happy to have that realization before we needed to have it. um, But I would imagine that's a conversation that's going on all over the place right now.
0: Oh, absolutely! Um, you know, and one of the things that I recommend is, um, if if I'm in IT and security right now, I am actively recruiting. Employees that have some level of technical savvy, you know, in, in in every department, there's that one person that knows the infrastructure really well, but they're not part of the IT or security team, and they're kind mm-hmm. of the go-to person if you need the video conference, you know, right. figured, or you need to connect to your printer, and you sort of reach out to them before you reach out to the printer. Right. I recommend reaching out to those people and, and you know, effectively deputizing them and saying, okay, um, you're going to sort of be a, a, a point of contact officially for security. Give them everything they need to, to be empowered to, to help people out, and they can help answer a lot of these questions. Um, and, and you can even you know, point them out and say, hey, if you have an immediate question and you can't get a hold of IT, see if you can reach out to so-and-so. You know She might be able to help you with uh, with uh, with 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 some of these things and and get started.
1: What about um, some of the human factors here? I mean, it, as you and I are recording this, I think it's fair to say we're still kind of at the leading edge of things here in the United States. We're not we don't have that many people who are for a variety of reasons unavailable. Um, and as the as we shift into that mode, should it happen, There's going to be a human toll. There's obviously the people who are sick, but also there's going to be an emotional toll um, on all of us. Do do you have any words of wisdom or thoughts on, from a leadership point of view, dialing in expectations of your workforce?
0: You know, so that's not really my area of expertise. I can tell you some of the things that we're doing to kind of help with, with, with a lot of these is, you know, have a, you know, have a clear outline of, you know, what the policy is for, you know, taking time off. If you need it, encourage people to take time off. Um, Even though we're working from home, encourage people to shut things down at the end of the day and, you know, turn off Slack, turn off email, all of those things that kind of keep you connected to the office, so you can get that separation. Um, I know like we've set up uh, a sort of a weekly meditation remote meditation meeting where you know you can mm-hmm. just kind of sit and be quiet with everybody for a few minutes. Um, and, and we're doing a lot of fun things as well, you know, sharing, hey, what books do you want to read? Um, or uh, you know, having kind of uh, you know cribs, where everybody shows off, uh, you know, what their workspace looks
1: like, or right, whatever it right. is they want to do. We've so, been sharing and, pictures of our pets with each other.
0: Yeah, right. Sharing pictures of your pets—that's another great one. Uh, you know, kind of all of those things that you know all of those things that will help encourage employee morale, because we're going to need to keep morale up. That's really important to keep people working, honestly, to keep them away from, you know, 24 seven news and all those other things that if you're watching that obsessively right now, um, which I know a lot of us are, that doesn't, that doesn't help your mental state.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I want to wrap up with you by touching on uh, one of the uh, sort of, I don't know how to describe it. An oddball bit of news that came uh, through from the, this is courtesy of the folks at Bleeping Computer, uh, that some of the ransomware gangs have agreed to stop attacking health organizations during the pandemic. Um, I guess, thanks?
0: Uh, You know, I saw that and, uh, you know, my, my reaction was, we know there was a huge uptick in ransomware attacks in Italy over the last few weeks um focusing on coronavirus themed phishing so i feel like it's somewhat disingenuous okay great you're maybe you're not attacking healthcare organizations but you're still taking advantage of people that are going through probably the, the worst time ever in their lives um, by, you know, by trying to steal money from them when the economy is already in a complete free fall. So from my perspective, you don't get any sympathy. And, um, if this weren't a PG rated show, I'd have, uh, 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 much, you can check my Twitter feed for my, uh, (laughs) uh, unfiltered thoughts on, on this particular, uh, level of outreach.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, Alan Liska, uh, take care of yourself, my friend. Thanks for taking the time for us. And, uh, I look forward to chatting with you again soon.
0: Uh, it's always a pleasure to chat with you, and same to you. Take care of yourself, and uh, I I like following you on Twitter because you've got all kinds of fun things to keep
1: me distracted. <laughs> all right. Our thanks to Recorded Future's Alan Liska for once again joining us. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Futures Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at RecordedFuture.com intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Monica Tadros, executive producer Greg Barrett, the show is produced by The Cyberwire, with editor John Petrick, executive producer Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.